It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com, coming to you on Monday, December 10th. Uh, deep into the LA Galaxy offseason now, a, a bunch of information and news that we have planned for you today on this show. We have Kevin Baxter once again traveling back from covering the NFL, the Rams, and so he is uh, in the car ready to talk to us as well. Uh, so we're going to get right into it, talking about MLS Cup. We have a coaching update. We have to close confirmed. We're going to talk more about that. Zlatan Ibrahimovic rumors finally go to die, uh, and a bunch of other things to get to. So before we uh, dive right in, let's uh, check in with Mr. Kevin Baxter driving as he's talking to us. Uh, Kevin, how you doing, buddy? All right. You know, next year we got to have at one of our MLS teams. We have two. One of our teams has to go deep in the playoffs, so I don't have to go around and cover football, <laughs> the other kind of football, tackle football. You know, if, if we had somebody in MLS Cup last weekend, I wouldn't have had to do this. Yep, absolutely. No, you're right. Uh, it is, uh, it, it's one of those things that, hey, you know, you can blame it on the Galaxy if you want. Uh, you can blame it on LAFC, Mr. Kevin, covering two teams there. But, yeah, uh, you've been having to do way too much uh, other things other than soccer recently. I, I feel, I almost feel bad for you. Boxing, I've been doing boxing, I've been doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Well, let's uh, let's kick this show off. Let's start by uh, by going through the not so good news. At least uh, you know right now it seems like it's not very good news, and uh, I don't know how much better it's going to get. But uh, there were reports early this morning, and rumors started surfacing that uh, a former LA Galaxy coach Siggy Schmidt had been hospitalized. Uh, Kevin, you picked up on the story pretty quickly, put out a tweet while you were traveling, by the way. Uh, I know you were in between airports at the time and uh, and trying to cover a whole bunch of stuff. But maybe you can take us through Siggy Schmidt's uh, uh, hospitalization here. Yeah, what, what we know is that Ziggy is in intensive care at the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center on the west side. We don't know his his uh, condition, but we know a little bit about, uh, we think we know what, what's going on. Um, there are... Uh, guidelines. I don't know if it's actually a law. I think it is, but certainly there are guidelines that prevent hospitals from disclosing the condition of a patient unless the family allows them to do that. They can confirm that a a patient is hospitalized, but they can't confirm the condition, why the person was hospitalized, how they were brought in, any of those things. So what we know from the medical center is that Ziggy Schmidt is in intensive care and that his family is is keeping a lid on what news is released. And, and you know, Ziggy is a public figure given his uh, um, long time, you know, almost 40 years in coaching between uh, college and, and MLS. Right. Um, but he's also uh, a husband, a father, you know, he's uh, a lot of other things. And so if the family decides they want to keep that private, you know, you have to respect that. But from what we know so far, and this is, we're recording this late Monday night, um, Ziggy is in intensive care, apparently has been there a while from other people that I've talked to. Um, and the condition that, that uh, I've gotten from a couple of people is that uh, he is awaiting a heart transplant. Um, that it's definitely heart problems. Uh, there was some report that he was in a medically induced coma. I don't have a confirmation of that. But suffice it to say, it's extremely serious. Uh, and it's, uh, it's kind of a touch and go situation. Um, we may have better news or worse news by the time people listen to this podcast on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, uh, you know, try to follow us on Twitter and we'll update you when we get information. But 
it looks pretty bad. I'm told by people close to the team that Ziggy was in failing health or in poor health most of last season before he was fired by the Galaxies, remember, in September. Uh, obviously, I mean, it's no secret to anyone he's had weight problems, but he also had heart problems that he kept, uh, kind of kept wraps on, didn't let a lot of people know about it, but I've talked to some close friends uh, that talked about the heart problems. I talked to one close friend just before we came on the air that said that he has been keeping track on, uh, keeping tabs on, on Ziggy's condition for the last couple of days. So it sounds like he wasn't uh, rushed to the hospital today, Monday, that he's uh, actually been in failing health for a couple of days at least. Yeah, you're, you're talking about an MLS all-time winning as coach. Uh, 19, 18 years, 19 years in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, just a, a guy who has been around Major League Soccer and the college game, played at UCLA, coached at UCLA. I mean, a, a guy who has been ingrained in the in the deep roots of U.S. soccer, uh, the the culmination of U.S. soccer, the growth of U.S. soccer for quite a long time. So, uh, seeing Siggy Schmidt in, in you know, a, a precarious position here is is not a not a fun thing to sort of t- pay attention to uh, it's not something that you really you want to have to uh, have to sit there and think about but uh, you, ultimately it's it's about thoughts and prayers time I think I tweeted out I said you know thoughts and prayers are certainly warranted for this particular situation uh, I think he could use all the good thoughts headed his way as possible everybody here at corner of the galaxy certainly wishes him a speedy recovery um, and, and you know all our uh, all our good thoughts are gonna go towards Siggy here in a little while but I mean it, it's not a small story Kevin and it, with just how much of the fabric of US soccer Siggy Schmidt has has weaved his way through well here's some things you may not know did you know that he played in the very first season of AYSO he was in uh, he was living in, in the South Bay at that time he was about seven or eight years old 1964 when AYSO was founded he played in the first season and that class was inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame. So Ziggy was inducted in the National Soccer Hall of Fame as an AYSO player. He was an all-conference uh, midfielder at UCLA in his playing days, was inducted into the Athletic Hall of Fame at UCLA. He coached at UCLA for 19 years, led them to three NCAA t- tournaments and 16 consecutive playoff appearances. It sounds like I'm reading this, but I'm not because um, I'm driving. Right. 16 consecutive playoff appearances. I have an incredible record at UCLA and then went on to coach in MLS. And as everybody knows, led the galaxy to the first of their five MLS cups, uh, led the galaxy to their only CONCACAF championship, won a record five U S open cups, um, two MLS cups. He won another with Columbus. Um, he, 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 you know, talk about the guy who's done it all. He has done it all player, coach, college, professional. The only thing he only had one, one year with the U S national team. It was with the youth national team. So he never coached at the senior national team level. That's about the only thing that he missed out out on. And as you said, MLS record 266 victories between uh, regular season and playoffs led Seattle to the playoffs every season he was there, starting from uh, their inaugural season in 2009. So he's 65 years old. But he's uh, an icon. By the way, we talked about he was inducted into the AYS uh, into the Hall of Fame with AYS. So he was also inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame as a coach in 2015. So two inductions in the National Soccer Hall of Fame, one in the UCLA Hall of Fame. Um, you know, there you can talk about Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena is probably the only one, maybe Bob Bradley, that is kind of on the same plane as Biggie Smith. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly is. So anyway, uh, like you said, follow us on Twitter. Uh, because this is a podcast, Kevin, because this is a sports podcast, because as soon as we record, the news is almost always uh, out of date, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, follow us on our, our respective websites, latimes.com, cornerofthegalaxy.com, and, and we'll try to bring any updates. Um, you well, know, One thing I want to add real quick, I, I know that you're getting 
this same kind of stuff. The comments that I've been seeing on, on Twitter uh, when we posted news about this have been uh, insane. They've been so uh, positive. First of all, the hundreds and hundreds of, of responses I'm getting on Twitter. Right. But every one of them positive. And, and we know, we heard the people booing Ziggy. We heard the Ziggy out chants. We know that not everybody thinks Ziggy was the greatest coach in the history of MLS when he was at the Galaxy, especially the last season and a half. None of that. You don't, and this is where you kind of see sports you know, for what it is. Yeah, people wanted him to coach differently, and they were unhappy with some of his decisions. But now that the guy is backed into a corner, everyone's coming to his aid. And I've even seen people say, you know what? Uh, when I was in Portland, I didn't like Ziggy in Seattle, and I didn't like what he did as a coach. Galaxy fans saying I didn't agree with his decisions, but everybody is saying that they wish him the best. Like you said, thoughts and prayers. Um, uh, it, it's it's just been uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's been been phenomenal to see this outpouring. What one one of my favorite messages was someone said, "Ziggy, get well quick. We need you to come back and coach the Legends game in a couple of years." There you go. That's a good one. No, I mean, again, Kevin, just his fingerprints are all over. He is. Uh, for lack of a better term, soccer royalty. In ter- you know, if you're going to make a Mount Rushmore of coaches, he's up there in Major League Soccer. Whether you agree or disagree with his coaching style, you can't disagree with the results that he's had over the years and the teams that he's put together. And you've seen those messages coming from Seattle and Columbus fans and Portland fans, uh, Los Angeles, you know, the Galaxy fans, obviously with his two stints in uh, in LA. So all those things sort of leading together to uh, to tell the story of a man who has dedicated his life. Uh, to soccer, so uh, hopefully he'll uh, he'll have many more years to dedicate to soccer. Uh, but it's it, it seems very touch and go right now from uh, from everything that we've sort of talked to. Uh, I talked to you know even some players and some players who maybe weren't the biggest fans of Siggy Schmidt all the time uh, had nothing but obviously uh, kind words to say about the man and wished him a speedy recovery. So I mean all those things being equal, Kevin, uh, you know there seems to be a groundswell of support behind Siggy Schmidt, and if uh, good thoughts can uh, can heal, then I imagine that uh, he he has a pretty good chance of bouncing back from uh, from whatever right now is keeping him down. So uh, you know, fingers crossed. I guess is the, is sort of the best thing we can go for. Yeah, and we'll try to keep everyone updated. But now we. Uh as we do on this program every week, now we have to talk about soccer. Yeah, it's absolutely a part of the regular broadcasting. Uh, MLS Cup, let's touch on that real quick here, Kevin. Uh, MLS Cup between Atlanta United and the Portland Timbers uh, kicked off on Saturday. It was a game to watch in terms of uh, the spectacle of soccer in the United States, the the largeness of the game, over 73,000 people in attendance at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, even though they were playing on carpet. I I thought it was funny. It's two carpet teams playing on carpet. Uh, however, that works. The MLS Cup Finals broadcast in over 170 countries. Uh, you got goals from Joseph Martinez and Franco Escobar to give Atlanta United the 2-0 win. Um, I don't know how much you got to see, Kevin. I don't know if you watched a whole bunch of it, but, I mean, what are your big takeaways from uh, Atlanta United in only its second year uh, coming through and, and winning the league right now? I think you can make a case, and, and I, I know this is going to sound like hyperbole and then I'm going overboard, but I think you can make a case that MLS changed this season. When you look at, first of all, how dominant Atlanta is, you know, they've won 40 games in their two years in the league, uh, more, more games than anyone else in MLS have, have won. And that's phenomenal in the last two years, that's combined. And that's phenomenal when you think of the fact that Toronto and the Red Bulls in back-to-back years actually set records for the best single season record, most single season points in MLS. Atlanta over the two years, did better than both of them. 
Um, but when you look at it in the totality of what Atlanta has done, you know, fans there before the game on Farrell and Banner that said uh, MLS 3.0, and it, it really is. If we're going to look at MLS uh, in 23 seasons, the first two decades, a little bit more, well, what about two decades before Bruce left the Galaxy? The Galaxy were the template. That was the most successful franchise. They did everything right. One of the first teams with a soccer-specific stadium, uh, the big stars, they were the ones that brought in the designated player when they got Beckham, they had Landon Donovan, they went on and got Robbie Keane. The Galaxy were the team that was, the, they were the class of the league, and they were the ones that everybody tried to follow. Uh, that, that has passed, and it's now Atlanta United, and not only because of the way the Galaxy have struggled the last couple of seasons, that that, that will pass. The Galaxy will, will be good again, will be a contender again, but it's everything around that. You know, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons and now uh, Atlanta United, was asked to join MLS about 12 years ago. At, that was the time when Don Garber had come in and he was pushing the idea of soccer-specific stadiums in the suburbs. Like you have Chicago and you have the, the, the stadium in Dallas, which yep. is outside Dallas. You had SubHub Center. That was the idea. Soccer-specific stadiums outside the urban areas in the suburbs. And, and then started the whole wave of big-name European talent. Some of them useful, like Terry Henry. Some of them not so useful, uh, like Frank Lampard. That was the, that was what the, where the league was going. Arthur Blank did not believe in that. He did not think that that was a winning formula. He said in Atlanta, he saw soccer as a downtown sport, and he saw it in an NFL stadium, which he was building, uh, or which he started building a few years ago, $1.6 million stadium. So he waited, and he came in here, and he brought in, you know, Tata Martino became his coach. He brought in... Darren Eels from the uh, English Premier League as his president. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra was the director of uh, player development. He was the former national team captain. Um, and they went and got, uh, rather than getting big-name European stars, they got relative unknowns from South America. Seven of the 14 players that played in the MLS Cup final were from, uh, were from South America. This is talking about Atlanta United. Guys like Almiron, Joseph Martinez, who who had not done well in Europe and, and, and was looking for a way out of Italy. These are guys, Almiron, I talked to Almiron about this, and he told me that he wants to go to Europe, and he thought the best way to do that was to come to MLS. He knows the games are televised there. He knows it's a good league. He knows there are European players that come over. His idea was, look, I'm 20 years old, which he, what he was when he came to MLS. I want to go to Europe. I want to get seen. I'm not going to get seen in Paraguay. So he comes to MLS, and now he's going to go to Europe. After two years here as a star, he's on his way to Europe. And that was what Arthur Blank and the, the brain trust at Atlanta saw. Look, let's not get guys on their way out. Let's get guys on their way up. They come here, they're hungry, they want to produce. Um, they're going to be a little bit cheaper. Uh, it, it, it was a masterful plan that uh, Atlanta United put together, and it worked. They made the playoffs in their first season, won MLS Cup in their Cup second in. And it's being copied. You know, you can you can look at that tempo and the way they play, the the ball control, uh, short passing style that Tata Martino uh, used at Barcelona. That's what Bob Bradley's now doing at UCLA or at UCLA, excuse me, at, at LAFC. And who does he have? He has young Latin American players like Diego Rossi, guys who are on their way up, who are trying to prove themselves and get over to Europe. Same the same blueprint. And I think that's what you're going to see in MLS from now on. Yeah, it certainly is a, a template. It's certainly something I think the rest of the league will uh, will will try to copy. It'll be interesting to see how they do now that Tata Martino uh, looks to be headed to the Mexican national team, and so you'll lose him as a head coach. I, I think uh, Guillermo Barros was one of the guys they were targeting. I don't know if that's still the case. 
I don't follow uh, Atlanta transfer rumors as much as I follow the LA Galaxy ones, but it's an interesting template. Uh, certainly it shows that uh, both for LAFC and Atlanta that the expansion teams coming in right now can have a real advantage if they go in um, and spend the kind of money like these two teams. I mean, certainly you look at Atlanta United's payroll and you could say that payroll-wise they spend less than the LA Galaxy. Uh, they spend less than a lot of teams in terms of payroll, but some of the transfer fees they paid were some serious transfer fees as well. The amount of money being funneled into Atlanta United, and Don Garber talked about this in the State of the League address as well, the amount of money being being funneled into off-roster improvements, including the training facilities, uh, including the, you know, the LA Galaxy 2 team, or, the, you know, the USL LA Galaxy 2, all those all those lower-level teams that are they're funneling money into, into the academies, that the amount of that investment has been on a pace that has not been matched before in Major League Soccer in terms of not spending money always on the roster. It's all those other things. So the amount of money that's being spent right now and all those things that are happening are sort of leading us to MLS 3.0. And if you look at the Galaxy and where they stand compared to where Atlanta is right now, Kevin, you have to say they have catching up to do, which is crazy to think that the Galaxy as the uh, the the standard bearer for the league for so many years um, has some catching up to do. And granted, there's always a reset. There was a reset for the Galaxy in 2007, 2008, Kevin. Uh, you know, now you're looking for an LA Galaxy reset after 2017, 2018, um, maybe even a little bit of 2016 in there. So there's a reset that has to happen, and it doesn't mean you can't be successful again. But you have to understand that the, the landscape has changed in terms of where you invest money and how important the investments above the salary cap, the TAM players and the designated players, are to the success of the team. But not just those guys, it's also the salary cap players, the guys who hit underneath that cap and affect that cap. Finding those, those values um, you know, throughout the entire team, top to bottom, is something that you can't necessarily always rely on somebody like a 37-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic to uh, make the entire team win, although he did his best to try to do that. So it's real. It's been a shift. It's been a shift that's happening, but you saw it, and you saw what it was capable of against Atlanta. I said after Atlanta won MLS Cup, Kevin, I said Atlanta was the best team in Major League Soccer this year. They won MLS Cup. It's always nice when that happens. There's really no question about it. Atlanta United was the team to beat this year. They went out. They dominated, except for a slip-up where they somehow allowed the Red Bulls to capture, capture the supporter shield. Uh, Atlanta United has been, uh, you know, the, one of the best teams in the in these last two uh, two years. So it's not surprising to see them win. And, and with Almiron, and then it looks like Joseph Martinez may be trying to return to Europe. Uh, Atlanta United is leading in another way too. Now, first of all, I have to say the Galaxy cannot copy Atlanta United on the field. If you decide that the short passing game, the Barcelona, the tiki taka type of play, which has been extremely, it's attractive and it's been successful, Galaxy can't do that. They just do not have the personnel to do that. Their their star is Zlatan, and he does not play like that. I don't think he wants to play like. I don't think he can play like that. He was very unhappy. It's probably his most unhappy time in Europe was when he played for Pep Guardiola at Barcelona. So. He is not going to do that. The Galaxy are not going to do that. But another area where Atlanta United is leading, where the Galaxy might be able to catch them, is in, in one of the things that Garber talked about. You talked about the investment in his State of the League address. He talked about that level of investment is unsustainable unless MLS becomes a selling league. Yes. You know, MLS has been a destination league. They've been a league that bought players but didn't sell any. Now you're seeing you know, Jack Stetson 
uh, from Columbus is going to Manchester City. Uh, Vancouver just sold a player to Byron Alfon- Munich Alfonso- for $22 million. Yeah, Alfonso Davies went for $22 million, right? right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, and Atlanta's about to do that. You talk about the money they spent on on transfer fees and things. Well, if they sell, uh, transfer Almiron or Joseph Martinez, they go to Europe, presumably Atlanta's going to get a lot of money back for those players, and that's going to you know, allow them to sort of balance their books. The Galaxy, with their deep academy system, and remember, they're the ones that kind of, they did kind of invent that Galaxy, uh, the academy system. Right. Um, or, or they were one of the first out of the block, certainly. That's a place where the Galaxy can catch up. And if they lost three players to Europe um, from their academy, and they didn't get any money for them that I know of. So that was a big mistake. I think the Galaxy have learned from that. Um, that's one area where the Galaxy can get in on the ground floor of this MLS 3.0, but but that, I think, is where the league is headed. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right on that, and by the way, Garber uh, in that state of the league, and I think I'm going to break this down more on Thursday night. I have a, a live show coming up on Thursday night with uh, with Eric. Uh, Eric Vieira is going to join me as well, but talking about the state of the league, uh, Garber went into and talking about, you know, the that the international clubs are chasing MLS's young players because they find value there, uh, and that it's something that MLS wants to be compensated for, which is, again, a switch. Uh, and understanding the solidarity payments and, and things like that. You look at the Alex Mendez or, or the Yulianas who have left the LA Galaxy. The Galaxy get nothing for that, uh, despite you know developing these guys, uh, despite spending money on their development and, and trying to keep them entertained. These guys wanted to go to Europe, and they, they're going to go. So, uh, you know, trying to get in on the solidarity payments, which are, are, are a can full of worms here in the United States trying to implement that and make that happen, is something else that Garber has, uh, has sort of, you know, flipped around, and you talked about it. Uh, they need to be able to get, be a selling league, but you need to be able to sell these academy players if you're going to do that before they hit, even hit the first team uh, so that, we, that you can still get those players. And right now, the, the system's just not set up in the United States for that. So uh, uh, lots of lessons, and, and I, did, I, I saw the victory parade from Atlanta um, everything on a larger scale than I think we've ever seen uh, from Major League Soccer. So this really is about Kevin trying to uh, trying to see if the Galaxy can match the level. And you know you have a lot of sort of those legacy teams like the Colorado Rapids and FC Dallas. Um, you know some of these teams that have been around from the very beginning, the Columbus Crew, that are going to have to go through either you know rebrands. If you look at Sporting Kansas City, Garber held up SKC as the perfect example of a legacy brand that rebranded um, and found success from that and found great success. And whether or not you can see that from other legacy things, I don't think the Galaxy need to go through a rebrand on the uh, level of Sporting Kansas City. Um, but you need to see a shift in philosophy. You need to see the rebuild. You need to see the understanding that they're in a different league now, um, and all those things are, are sort of playing into uh, into that that idea. I mean, even the Chicago Fire, Kevin, you talked about the uh, the the stadiums outside of in the, outside of the cities in the suburbs. Chicago Fire trying to get out of that that stadium in the suburbs and find something in downtown Chicago. Um, you know, it's interesting to see where the Galaxy are and where they've built a very large complex for AEG and whether or not they would try to move anywhere into a, uh, a downtown location. I, I think that's well off in the future if it is. But, I mean, this, these are the trends that you're seeing throughout Major League Soccer now. Well, I don't think the Galaxy can go downtown. I think LAFC has outflanked them there. I don't think you're, uh, you know, there's a very small amount of space available downtown where you could actually put another urban ballpark on urban soccer stadium. But when you talk about the rebranding, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think the Galaxy needs to rebrand. I still think that they are, um, you know, one of the iconic uh, franchises in MLS, if not the iconic franchise. However, they do need, as you said, to change their strategy, their approach, the way they do things. 
and that's why I think Galaxy fans should be very happy about the hiring of Dennis DeClose to be uh, their new general manager. First of all, he brings a wealth of knowledge. His, his, really, his expertise is in youth development. That's why he was in charge of national team programs in Mexico. That, he wasn't in charge of the senior national team. He was in charge of national team programs, meaning the U15s, the U17s, the U20s, where Mexico has had a tremendous amount of success, much more success than the U.S. has had uh, in age group soccer. The Galaxy right now have a very deep academy system but it's floundered a bit. And, and, you know, Mike Munoz is coach of Galaxy 2 and is supposed to be the academy director. He can't do both. So I think you're going to see DeClose come in. I think you're going to see him pay a lot of attention to, to that. Remember, he was the guy in charge at Chivas USA. He was the guy that built those teams that had so much success when the Galaxy were floundering a decade ago. He's also the one that built the academy that turned out to produce players like Yannis, like Efrem Alvarez and others. Um, I, you know, I think the Galaxy fans should be really happy that the coach is the guy coming in because he's uniquely positioned to set this academy up uh, to where it can be a moneymaker, to where he can develop players, some that will go to the first team, some that will be sold to, to Europe or elsewhere, uh, you know, to help fund the acquisitions that the Galaxy are going to need. I think this is a really good hire, and I think the timing couldn't be better. Uh, you know, if you're going to bring in a general manager a couple years ago to – to uh, fly over and try to sign Frank Lampard before his knees give out, you want a totally different guy. I think the Galaxy were very smart in hiring DeClose now because he's positioned, you know, the, the league is clearly moving into Latin America in a big way. That's where Dennis DeClose's expertise is. They are clearly, the, you know, going with young players now, young players that they can either use in the first team, like Almiron and Diego Rossi, or players that they can sell, like the Jack Stephens. Again, the closest the guy that can do those, that can marry those two philosophies together. Uh, I think it's a really good hire, and uh, you know we're awaiting the hiring of the head coach. I understand it could happen by the end of this week, and that'll tell us a little bit more about which direction he's going. Yeah, and again, I uh, want to reiterate, Taclose is confirmed as the LA Galaxy general manager. We haven't had an official announcement from the team. But, Kevin, I believe we expect that to happen here in the next uh, next day, uh, possibly on Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Or, uh, as you said, with a head coach also possibly being announced, uh, could announce both at the same time. We had heard that uh, Taclose was supposed to meet with supporters today on Monday as we were recording. Um, I don't know if all that went off without a hitch or if that, uh, that played out yet. Um, I haven't heard. But... This is something that uh, you and I have been talking about for at least the last month uh, and basically brought everybody all the way up to the confirmation last Monday's show. Uh, and so here we're able to actually confirm before you tell you that uh, to close, uh, Dennis DeClose will be that next well, general manager for the LA Galaxy. Well, here's a little bit what I know about that. There, there, there are some reports floating around that the reason the Galaxy have sort of gone soft on the DeClose news and not really made a big deal about it is Apparently, his contract with the Mexican National Federation with the, uh, runs through the end of the year, uh, meaning through December 31st. Why they can't just announce him, I don't know if it's a contractual thing. I don't know if Mexican Federation is upset. We do know that he's been at Subbub Center now for almost two weeks. He's been working. He's been meeting with people. He's been talking to people. He certainly is, is on the clock. Uh, who's paying him? I don't know. And I don't, I don't know if the story about the contract really is what's holding up. It right. could be a number of different matters, but, but right, he is the guy. Now, you talked about him meeting the supporters on Monday night. The original announcement was going to be DeClose and the new coach. Right. Uh, my understanding was the new coach would be there, and then the Galaxy said, no, we're not ready to do that yet. It's going to be later in the week, probably 
you know, Thursday or Friday. And, and that got me thinking, first of all, the, the reports about Jason Christ coming are not true at all. Um, uh, it was reported over the weekend that he may be a guy the Galaxy had interviewed. They have not interviewed him at all. Haven't talked to him. Haven't talked to him at all about the head coaching job. Then uh, sort of the fallback rumor was he might be an assistant coach if Dominic Kinnear is hired. Uh, again, the Galaxy haven't talked to Jason Christ. Whether Dominic has talked to him, uh, they wouldn't say. But the the idea that the head coach announcement has been delayed and that the head coach was not at the supporters uh, event on Monday night. Got me to thinking that, you know, if it's Dominic, he's there, it's done, he's signed, everything's ready to go. Why would they not bring him to the supporters event? It, it doesn't make any sense that they would not bring him there. So it got me thinking that perhaps Dominic isn't the guy, that maybe they have another candidate and there's been a little bit of a hang up in getting that candidate signed. The first person I thought of was Miguel Herrera, who Dennis DeClose was close to with the Mexican Federation. He was the coach of the Mexican World Cup team in 2014. He's been a longtime club coach, very colorful guy. Uh, players love him. He's very player friendly. Um, if the Galaxy are going for him, it would make sense that they would not have it. Since the close isn't signed yet or isn't official yet, it would make sense that Herrera, if he were coming, there'd be a little snag in getting him on board too. So watch that. I just think it's an interesting development. If Dom is the guy, there's no reason why he couldn't be at the supporter event Monday. And who knows? We're recording Monday uh, before the supporter event goes off. So perhaps he's there now and he's shaking hands with everybody and everything is great. Right. But if, in fact, there is a delay in announcing a coach and Dominic uh, is not at the supporters event, it makes me think that perhaps the Galaxy are going in another direction. Yeah, and it was interesting to see the Jason Christ rumor pop up and then uh, and then quickly go away. So, I mean... I think we've done a good job, Kevin, of at least trying to point people in the right direction in terms of the names that we've heard publicly, and Dominic Kinnear has been sort of that one constant. Now, I go on record as saying that I didn't think there was any way that Dominic Kinnear would come back. Um, it seemed like it was, a, I don't know, almost beneath the LA Galaxy in terms of what they were trying to do of having a name of a big-name coach. All that seems to have sort of funneled in to say that Dominic Kinnear is still sort of that lead guy, but we really haven't heard of any of the other names that the Galaxy have interviewed, and we've been told that it seems like they've interviewed other people. Uh, some of the names, that I believe, that have been tossed around were Caleb Porter at one point. Uh, we know that he was certainly linked with the, uh, the Galaxy at one point. We've said ad nauseum that he was a, a former roommate of uh, Chris Klein, LA Galaxy president. So there's that one, um, but it looks like Caleb Porter may be actually going to Columbus, might be joining up with Bruce Arena in Columbus. That, uh, that rumor certainly has been circulating now for a while. Um, so you have all these things that are sort of coming around that make it seem as if Dominic Kinnear is still in that pole position. But as you said, Kevin, it could easily find a switch here where Toclose reaches out to some of his contacts now and goes out looking for somebody uh, like Herrera or somebody else within you know, the Mexican League, uh, somebody else around the world, somebody else that he has close contacts with uh, from all of his contacts. So this is a, a, a good sign up to a certain point that if Dominic Kinnear is no longer in that pole position, which I, I still believe he's there, I just don't know why the delay would be there, Kevin. I'm with you and sort of doubting uh, whether or not Kinnear is that guy anymore. Um, but if he's still, if he was moving away from that pole position, it's got to be because Toclose has come in and opened up more opportunities for the LA Galaxy on this. And that's what you want to see from a general manager who's supposedly connected throughout all these different areas. Now, here's another couple of ideas on that. Caleb, Caleb Porter, as you mentioned, is Chris Klein's former college roommate. They are very close. 
that was the, one of the first names that popped up when this uh, manager job opened. I have begun to hear that, that Chris Klein does not want to be responsible for that hiring. He does not want to hire somebody closely linked to him because he feels, and I think he's right, that he's still on the hot seat. And that if this doesn't work, if the Galaxy do not rebound next season and make the playoffs, Chris Klein wants to make sure his fingers are not on any of the major decisions. Uh, he's not going to get involved in acquiring a lot of players. He's not going to get, get charged. Uh, he's not going to get involved in signing players. He certainly doesn't want to have his fingerprints on the coaching decision if, in fact, that coach does not work out. So that's why I don't think Porter's coming. Um, that's why I think that's a strike against Dom because people will say, oh, well, Chris Klein was in, the guy that was there when they made the decision about Dominic coming in. He was right. the man in charge at that time. I, I do think he wants to leave it on Herrera. That way, if it goes south, it's Herrera's fault. It's not you, Chris you mean, Klein's mean, fault. You mean to close. You would leave it on to closes in, instead of Herrera. Excuse me. Yes. We leave it to the close to bring in his guy. That way, if it goes south, it, the, the guy to blame is the close and not Chris Klein. It, it also makes sense to me that the close might want to bring in somebody from Mexico because he's comfortable with the system down there. He's worked in that system now for 15 years. Very comfortable with it. Very comfortable with the way it works. Um, he has confidence in those people, good working relationships, and he's smart enough to realize that that's where the league is going. The league is going south. It's not a European. It's not going to be a European league. Did, did you know that you, MLS last season had more players from Latin America than it did from Europe and Asia combined? Um, so that's where the league is going now. And I think, you know, the close might look at that and say, look, Dominic Kinnear is a great coach and he still might get the job. Uh, we're not saying that he doesn't have it. We're just, you know, throwing out some potential options. If he didn't go with Dominic Kinnear, he might look at Dominic and said, Dominic's a great coach, but he's not positioned. He does speak Spanish, by the way, right. but he's not positioned to be a guy that's going to go out and recruit 18 years old, 18 year old players from Uruguay and bring them here. And perhaps some Miguel Herrera might be able to do that. Yeah. Again, it's uh, the breadth of, uh, of the LA galaxy reach, right? If you have the LA galaxy name, you have a, a big head coach, you have a general manager who's well-respected, throughout the league uh, and throughout the rest of the world, uh, all those things can lead to guys, you know, sort of talking like they did with uh, with Tato Martino, which is, hey, I want to go play for that guy. I want to play for that organization because they're doing things right. Uh, it very quickly can turn around for the LA Galaxy if some of these things line up and uh, if the the general consensus is the LA Galaxy are doing things right, Kevin, uh, the turnaround can be quick. Panda and Pato in the morning. All right, hey, we don't normally do this, but Kevin and I were just done recording. We actually finished, which is weird because this is in the middle of the podcast. Uh, and we're going to put it back in the middle of the podcast so that way we can talk about, uh, you know, sort of what, what we learned almost immediately after turning off the, uh, the, the podcast and concluding everything. So, Kevin, uh, we had a report, and it just came in uh, on Twitter, and we saw it come in on Twitter, uh, and it says that uh, it's from Greg Beecham, who you said is an Associated Press reporter, correct? Correct, in Los Angeles. All right, so he's an AP reporter in Los Angeles. He says, hey, LA Galaxy fans, Dennis DeClose and former Timbers coach Caleb Porter have been courtside at the Lakers game with Dan Beckerman and Chris Klein. Uh, so that is the uh, there, there's the, the the updated news almost immediately after we turn the podcast off, Kevin. We get something. So all that news about us saying we don't think it's Caleb Porter for all these reasons, and people just heard all those reasons, and, and we're going to leave that part in here, but we come and we have this report. I mean, what do you think we can make of this? Well, first of all, that means that the supporter event with Dennis close on Monday was very, very short if they got to the uh, Staples Center. The second thing it means is that anybody who says that, that Chris Klein is not going to pick Caleb Porter because they were college roommates 
is an idiot. And wait, <laughs> I said that. Um, I, you know, I still think that there's some truth to that. I still think that, uh, that Chris Klein wants to distance himself a little bit uh, from the coaching hire. I do think he wants a lot of the decisions to, to, uh, to belong to Dennis DeClose, and he wants his fingerprints on them. I will say all those, but, you know, if Dennis DeClose agreed that this was the best coach, I'm not sure that it is. I don't, the, the style of play that Porter had in Portland when he was so successful and in college is not the kind of style of play the Galaxy have right now. It's not a box-to-box uh, type play. You know, Allison Greeny doesn't play box-to-box. Zolotan certainly doesn't do that. Um, it, I, I just I, I don't know that this is necessarily the best hire. I still think the arguments that we laid out about Dennis DeClose going to Latin America – uh, it sounded better when we said it. I, I still think that's a sound strategy, but if Caliporta is coming in, if he's the guy, um, it sounds like the decision has been made. I don't know that the Galaxy would have uh, allowed themselves, Beckham and Klein, and, uh, you know, to close to be visibly, you know, uh, publicly seen with a guy who's a coaching candidate unless they had made a decision. Yeah, the last time I remember Chris Klein uh, being with somebody at uh, Staples Center for a Lakers game and being spotted there it was with, uh, I believe, Jermaine Jones. Jermaine uh, Jones, yep. yeah. Yeah, and so uh, we all know how that eventually played out. Jermaine Jones went and, uh, and joined the LA Galaxy, so I think it's definitely a sign. Uh, I think it's not a coincidence. Uh, if, as a matter of fact, if you had Dominic Kinnear as your number one, you better drop him because it looks like Caleb Porter might be that number one for now. So, I mean, that's I, I think that's all really we can sort of say about this particular situation right now is that it's rapidly developing, and it wouldn't surprise me at all based upon this one meeting. And it's funny how you get one piece of information, Kevin, and it sort of flips everything on its head. Uh, from all that we've heard and all that we've known, it sounded like they had already passed on Caleb Porter. As a matter of fact, we had heard that at one point Caleb Porter was decided on and then not decided on. This was a rumor and, and not confirmed at all, but not decided on, and eventually the Galaxy decided to pass on him, and we're going to go away from Porter. Uh, but now it seems to be circling back in that direction. If that's the case, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to find out how this signing uh, how it all came together because it's been jumping all over the place from uh, from the people we've been talking to. And that would make sense of why it was delayed because, it, yes, he's been a guy that's been talked about uh, from the very beginning, but, you know, with the close coming in, it looked like he was talking to Dominic. It looked like he was looking at people back home. This, obviously, from the time the close came in, even if Porter was Klein's first guy, uh, you know, the new general manager had to get his arms around it, had to feel comfortable with it as well. So, I think that's why the decision was not ready to be made at the beginning of the week, and the Galaxy are talking about making a formal announcement at the end of the week. If Porter is the guy, it, it makes sense that that timetable would be the one that it, how it would play out. Yeah, well, you talked about it. Uh, if it was slipping, it would be slipping out of uh, Dominic Kinnear's hands. Uh, maybe it slips away from Herrera as well. Maybe all these things have delayed. But, I mean, I think that's sort of where we have to put it, and we have to leave it with everybody. And uh, we'll, of course, be following all the information and seeing uh, what other news and information we can dig up. One for our Thursday show. But, again, uh, follow us on Twitter at KBaxter11 and at Galaxy Podcast, and we'll do our best to sort of update you on all of these things. So uh, I guess we return everybody back to their normally scheduled uh, idiots yeah. talking about soccer. Is, is that how it works? Yeah, every, everybody everybody follow Greg Beecham on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. he's, got, he's got his fingers on the pulse of this. So. Yeah, apparently he does. So uh, that's how it is. So there you go. I, I think this might be our first cut-in we've ever done, Kevin, after we recorded. We recorded. We cut it back in. It is there. Uh, so now uh, head back and uh, listen to the rest of the podcast. Panda and Pato in the morning. Uh, the turnaround can be quick and it can be rapid. And speaking of turnarounds and speaking of possibly doing things right, let's transition 
into one of our favorite topics here on the show. Uh, you and I have been banging our heads against the desk at every Italian report that has come out saying that AC Milan was ready to sign Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that it was going to happen tomorrow, that it was going to happen the next week, it was going to happen over the weekend. Uh, it has already happened that AC Milan has signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We've heard all these rumors, Kevin, and you and I shook our heads every single time saying they're not paying attention to the biggest issue in this, which is the LA Galaxy have Zlatan Ibrahimovic under contract for 2019. The Galaxy said they'd get out of the way of that contract if Zlatan wanted to leave, and Zlatan said, hey, if you meet my demands, I'm going to stay. And he told us that uh, back on election day on November 6th, whenever we talked to him, and he said, I have some demands at the Galaxy meet him. I want to come back. I want to stay here in L.A. AC Milan rumors, all those rumors denied or, or basically ignored all that stuff, Kevin. And finally, this weekend, uh, as we've been saying for a long time, it comes out that uh, AC Milan will not be pursuing uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic anymore uh, because as uh, Leonardo, the, uh, the sporting director, is it the sporting director of AC Milan? I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, well, he's the director of sporting. So yeah. Oh, sporting director. there you go, sporting director. Uh, he he says uh, he he was quoted in an ESPN article. He said he gave his word to Galaxy that he would stay if they satisfied his conditions, and they did so. Um, so that's that was uh, that's where we sit. He's so, not he's yeah. not going to Milan. I bought Milan season tickets, just expecting to see Zlatan. He's not going. Yeah, I was I was going to say, are you as shocked as I am? I mean, listen, I have been and you have been fielding reports and reporters from AC Milan for what, the last five weeks probably? Um, just talking about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and why he's already signed with AC Milan. We had everybody trying to convince us and nobody could come up with a good story and every story had holes in it, which is why we were telling you, hey, listen, pump the brakes on all that stuff. He wants to stay in L.A. if the Galaxy meet his demands. They haven't even given him a chance to meet those demands yet. But from what uh, Leonardo was saying here, Kevin, he's saying that the LA Galaxy have already met Zlatan Ibrahimovic's demands in his statement, which would mean uh, a bunch of different things. At least we're assuming that it would mean a bunch of different things. We would assume that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is happy with the hiring of Dennis Teklos. We would imagine that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is happy with whoever they're going to hire as the head coach. Um, it would mean that we're assuming that he's getting more money. And how he's getting more money, we don't know yet. But apparently that seems like that has also happened as well. Or, or maybe he, he never wanted any more money, Kevin, although it certainly sounded like he did almost at well, every turn. Well, let me, Leonardo, by the way, who's uh, also a sporting director and a Ninja Turtle, yes. um, made those comments that were in the ESPN story, uh, either definitely the same comments or he made very similar ones to uh, Sky Italia. Uh, when this all went down. And one of the things he said is that Zlatan has a new contract. Now, I don't know if he misspoke, if that was mistranslated, or if, in fact, Zlatan has signed a new contract. All of that is very interesting, because when Zlatan came, he signed a two-year deal to come to the Galaxy. I don't know what the monetary uh, uh, situation was for the second year, but if, in fact, Zlatan has signed a new, a new deal, somewhere the Galaxy has found some money. Yes. And I don't know where they found it yes. because they still have three designated players and no more TAM money. So uh, there could be a transfer in the works that we don't know about yet. They could have freed up some money. They could have a handshake agreement to move Allison Greeny or Gio or somebody. But if, in fact, Leonardo is correct in saying that Zlatan has a new contract, somebody's going somewhere because the Galaxy don't have any money to give Zlatan a new contract. But I think the biggest reporting on this, it was interesting – the Italians were going crazy, and as you said, we were getting calls every day. One of the papers over there actually did it and put Zlatan on the front page in an Ace of the Milan jersey. 
and talked about it. the deal was done. They had the price, they had the contract, they had when he was going to show up, they had everything. It wasn't a done deal. It never was. And in fact, a Swedish newspaper, very close to us a lot of times, did a, a long reporting project on this. And they found out that what Zalatan likes is his family loves Southern California. He wants to be here. His family wants to be here. I think it was a situation where he made them move all over Europe, um, you know, as he was playing in in Paris and then as he played in Manchester and before that in Italy. His family moved all over Europe. They come to Southern California. They love it. Everybody's happy. And Zalatan saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I can make more money in Europe, but now it's your turn. Now it's the family's turn to make the call. They want to stay in Southern California. And that has had a big thing. Uh, uh, that has been a big part of the decision. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, he talked about it whenever he talked to us, Kevin. He said, you know, hey, I, I like being here in L.A. I want to stay. You know, he really did tell us all those things. And I took him at his word. I think you had to take him at his word. What he told us, uh, you know, on November 6th in front of everybody is that, you know, hey, I have these demands. They meet my demands and I'll be back. Now, again, you said could be a secret deal. Uh, one of the other options that we could have uh, already is that that MLS will decide to increase the ceiling on targeted allocation money. Um, and if that happens, you could get a guy like Roman Alessandrini, who now fits under the targeted allocation money, uh, freeing up money from Ashley Cole and Michael Ciani would be enough probably to pay uh, pay uh, pay Roman Alessandrini on the TAM side, and you can make Zlatan a designated player. Again, this stuff will be playing out as we see. I still expect that the Galaxy are trying to move Giovanni Dos Santos, Kevin, um, and when that will finally be and when that finally happens is, is anybody's guess, if indeed they do, and how seriously they try to move him. Um, but at, you know, probably over $6 million, you would expect that the Galaxy are, are looking at trying to move him and get any amount of money they can that could offset that. Otherwise, they may do a, a buyout deal. So, again, looking at the Geo news and, and how that goes. Now, following all of that, Kevin, and, and we sort of brush by this uh, rather quickly here towards the end of the show, but it's something that's coming up on Tuesday. So we're recording on a Monday night. Right now it's about 9 p.m. as we're going, uh, just to give you an idea of where we're setting and how things are going. But the off-season calendar gets heated up tomorrow on the 11th. So December 11th uh, on Tuesday, it will be the MLS expansion draft. The LA Galaxy have already protected the 11 players. I'll give you those 11 players here shortly. I'll tell you who's unprotected and if there were any surprises on it, but we sort of have to glance over it because we're going to cover this more in depth on Thursday and whether or not FC Cincinnati picks of their five picks they have will pick any one of these available LA Galaxy players. So the uh, 11 players that you have protected for the LA Galaxy are Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, Roman Alessandrini, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Ola Kamara, David Bingham, Rolf Felcher, Sebastian Legette, Ima Boateng, Dave Romney, and... Daniel Starris. Those are your 11 players. The ones that are unprotected, uh, Chris Pontius, Jorgen Shelvick, Ashley Cole, Siani, Kitchen, Husidic, uh, Hilliard Arce, Williams, Lassiter, Silvestri, Carrasco, Vom Stieg, and Joao Pedro. Uh, you have three players who are exempt from this as their homegrown players in Hugo Ariano, Bradford Jamison IV, and Efren Alvarez. So they're exempt from being chosen in this particular draft. Now, the, the big names that are sort of the ones where I think people are shaking their head is Chris Pontius uh, saying they wanted him back, and we have an interesting case of MLS rules popping their heads up, and quite honestly, I don't know where we stand, but Chris Pontius was signed as a free agent in 2017, Kevin, 
Uh, it was a, uh, a free agent deal that uh, usually you assume is at least one year plus one option. The LA Galaxy looks like they declined the option or it shows that it was just a one-year deal and Chris Pontius is now out of contract. However, they don't list him as a free agent. Uh, the two free agents the LA Galaxy left unprotected were Baggio Husidic and Shannon Williams. So between those two, it's unlikely that either of those guys gets picked up by FC Cincinnati because free agents don't have to sign with FC Cincinnati even if they're picked up uh, by that club. They can then decide during the free agency period to go wherever they want. So that's not necessarily something that you would look at. I think the same is probably going to be true for Chris Pontius in some way, and unless there's some rule that I don't know of, he was picked up as a free agent, Kevin. Uh, he should be out of contract and, again, a free agent with so many years in the bag there. So just like Jeff Laurentowitz came in and, and spent some time with the Galaxy and then moved off as free agency, you'd expect Chris Pontius does the same. Uh, the other names, Jorgen Shelvick, uh, he makes too much money for SC Cincinnati to pick him up. Ashley Cole's retiring. Michael Ciani doesn't, is not coming back to the Galaxy and probably won't stay in the league. Uh, Perry Kitchen probably makes too much money uh, for FC Cincinnati to go after for a midfielder and targeted allocation money, but he's available, and I don't think the Galaxy would uh, shy away from uh, losing him if they did. Uh, Thomas Hilliard-Arce is the only one that uh, people are, again, raising their eyebrows at. And I will tell you uh, once again that he's a supplemental roster player, and in order for FC Cincinnati to get him, they would have to guarantee him a senior spot, which means his salary would then count against the salary cap. So all those things that sort of float into those decisions being made, I don't expect, Kevin, the uh, that FC Cincinnati picks anybody from the LA Galaxy of their five spots, and I imagine that the LA Galaxy roll right through the uh, this expansion draft untouched. No, you're right. There's a lot of strategy to this. People think it's just like, which players don't you want? That's not it at all. I think the Galaxy probably want a lot of these players, but you can only protect 11. So if you put a Boateng out there, you put Sebastian Legit out there, those guys are gone. So they need to protect those guys, and they need to expose somebody. So you're right. They look at uh, you know some of these free agents. Cincinnati is not going to pick a free agent. They only have five picks. They're not going to waste one on a guy they may not be able to sign. Then you look at Shelvick, making way too much money. An expansion team is not going to take a, a, a center back who has one year in the league and is kind of unproven when you think about last season. Right. They're not going to waste the money on him. The one guy I do, I, I agree with people that wonder about Hilliard Arce, though. He, this was a guy that was, you know, he was picked second in the draft. He was highly touted coming out of college. Um, he was a, the Galaxy's first pick. Everybody thought that LAFC was going to take him. He's a defender, um, a young guy, doesn't make any money. Uh, well, he has all the, the, those signs where you would think that a team like Cincinnati, especially if they're going to build out of the back, you know, LAFC did that. They spent a lot of their they, you know, their draft picks. They went for uh, a goalkeeper. They signed, uh, they traded early for two defenders uh, in Suman and uh, um, Walker Zimmerman. And so, you know, the, the idea of building with defense in the draft is, is a pretty good idea, well-worn idea. I, I kind of think Julian Arce is exposed. That's the guy Cincinnati may take a chance on. Yeah, it's still it's still a matter in my mind of taking him from that supplemental roster spot and mandating a senior roster spot for him. Um, it, it is it is something that has stopped other teams from taking other players before. So it's not just and simple. That's why the Galaxy yeah. exposed them. Yeah, yeah. Acts of the Galaxy or things like that. And you know, you look at other teams in the league have done similar things. I think LAFC left even better sort of exposed. That guy was a key part of their team last year, and a guy that's been a winner everywhere he's gone. Cincinnati will look at him as a player and say, this is a guy we have to have. But then they're going to look at his salary and maybe some other things and decide, uh, you know, take a second look at that. So, again, it's not the players. If it's just the players, 
there's a lot of guys on uh, that have been left exposed by a lot of things that you would go for, but you have to figure in the salary. What kind of what style of play does this uh, player, uh, you know, excel at? Uh, age and of course the salary is a big one yeah it's uh it's going to be interesting to see again that is the expansion draft we'll have a full recap coverage of the expansion draft on our live show on thursday uh eric the portuguese hammer and i will be uh talking about uh what the results of that was and, and my guess is we'll probably get the glance right over it because there won't be a whole bunch to talk about uh in that remember the galaxy can lose a maximum of one player kevin so even if one player is picked, uh, it would only be one, and then the Galaxy's hat name is removed from the hat and can't have another player picked from that. So it'll be interesting to see how it is. I'll also say that the Galaxy did go through that that four-hour, half-day trade window, or maybe it was six hours, six-hour, <laughs> half-day trade window without any moves. Uh, a few moves around the league, nothing you know, overly ridiculous or, or huge or surprising or any of those things, but the half-day trade window has come and passed. You didn't miss anything. The LA Galaxy didn't move anybody and quite honestly didn't expect anybody to really move during that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens after this expansion draft because you quickly get into expansion draft and then waiver draft draft Kevin um, you know and then eventually this all sort of ends up with the uh, with the super draft um, but the roster building that is taking place right now uh, from the LA Galaxy side is going to be you know sort of the the interesting things to see and, and how this goes so the waiver draft coming up the re-entry draft uh, the MLS super draft um, and all those things and and I am being told that the LA Galaxy are closing in on uh, re-signing some of those out of a contract players hopefully I'll have another update for you here very very shortly uh, okay, later this so week we have a we have an expansion draft by the way five teams excluded from that draft because they have players chosen last year so we have an expansion draft a waiver draft we have the super draft, Re-ent- uh, have re-entry super draft, re-entry draft, super duper draft. Yes, uh, man, this is a really drafty league. I'm getting cold just listening to this. Isn't isn't that the truth? Yeah, two stages of the re-entry draft, by the way, Kevin. Uh, stage one and stage two. So uh, yeah, there's a, as normal. The the off season gets filled with all these drafts, and we try to uh, sort through them and all those fun things to go. But uh, that's where the LA Galaxy stand right now. I think that's uh, where everything is. Again, the the big news right now is obviously the status of uh, former LA Galaxy coach uh, Siggy Schmidt. Um, so we'll continue to try to update everybody on uh, anything that we have with news and information <laughs> as it becomes released to us and as it becomes available to us. Um, but right now, that's sort of where we stand. Kevin, is there uh, anything else you want to touch on before we uh, get on out of here? No, thoughts and prayers of Ziggy. And, and again, uh, if you want it, to... It, it, it really touched me to, to read some of the comments that came to me on Twitter. And I know that people can go to my account and read what people have said. Hundreds and hundreds of messages uh, very warm messages about Ziggy, and of course he's in our thoughts and in our prayers. And this time it's sincere. It's not that phony thoughts and prayers that come out of Congress following a shooting. These are, I think, very sincere uh, thoughts from all over MLS. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. All right, uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, you can follow him on Twitter at kbaxter11, and of course head on over to latimes.com where he does a great job covering all of the soccer here in Southern California, the national teams, and occasionally NFL and boxing too. So. Uh, follow him make sure you click on his articles and that way maybe they won't send him on so many of these nfl trips anymore uh if you're looking for me on twitter it's at jay guessman j-g-u-e-s-m-a-n and at galaxy podcast head on over to corner of the galaxy.com for all of our articles podcasts and all the news including our la galaxy offseason draft transaction and rumor tracker that's where you can find all of the results and protected lists and uh when those drafts are coming up all that information is right there including our rumor tracker that tries to track all the credible rumors 
that are linked to the LA Galaxy, and we'll give you our temperature on each of those rumors as well. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, still traveling on the road, headed home right now. I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.